Hey there, and thanks for listening to today's episode. Before we get started, I've got to know, when's the last time you read a good book? Now, if you're a busy hustler on the go, you might not have time to sit and turn pages, and who can keep up with books these days? So, why not try an audible book like me? Right now, I've just finished up Seth Godin's Tribes, We Need You to Lead Us, and I'm about to dive into Damon John's latest book, The Power of Broke, How Empty Pockets, A Tight Budget, and A Hunger for Success Can Become Your Greatest Competitive Advantage. Download one free book as my guest and fit learning back into your lifestyle. To get your free book, visit audibletrial.com blc. Again, that's audibletrial.com blc. After your first month, you can sign up for a monthly membership and maybe even challenge yourself to a book of month. Audible, how leaders get smarter on the go. And now let's get back to the show. You're listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show, where business leaders and health experts give insight while you take a break from the daily grind. Your host, Joey Price, is an entrepreneur with over a decade of startup experience and CEO of the managed HR services firm Jumpstart HR. Want to join the conversation or have an idea for the show? Tweet us at BizLifeCoffee or Joey directly at JoeyVPriceHR with the hashtag BLCMoments. Want more episodes? Head on over to iTunes to subscribe. Business, life, and coffee, personal development for busy professionals. Now let's get to the show. April showers bring May flowers, but with tax season upon us, it's a good time to talk about personal finance strategy. According to recent research, 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, only one out of five Americans is prepared to retire, and 33% of us find that it's hard to meet household expenses every month. When you add on the challenges that come with running a business or side hustle, things can get out of hand pretty fast. You need a financial strategy that helps you get more income than expenses and sets you up for success later on in life. Joining us on the Business Life and Coffee Show today to talk about the ins and outs of personal finance, retirement, and wealth management is Damian Lupo, founder and CEO of Total Control Finance. Born with an entrepreneurial spirit, Damian started his first business at age 11, and he even hired his parents for logistics support. Over the last quarter century, he started and owned more than 30 different companies, including an insurance agency, precious metal firms, a venture capital company, a coaching and consulting firm, and more than a dozen real estate investment and development companies. He's also the founder of Yokido, his own martial art, and holds three other black belts. He's a sought-after financial consultant for high-profile private clients and has written three books that we'll link to in the show notes. Using a vast depth and breadth of knowledge on financial markets, money psychology, and unconscious pattern motivation, he's an expert at quickly assessing hidden financial cancers and holistically healing his clients and organizations through awareness, empowerment, and vision development. Hey, Damien, welcome to the show. Joey, it's great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So, you know, one of the first things that really stood out to me is the fact that you've run 30 companies over the past 25 years. 
How do you find the time to balance them all? And what secrets can you share about juggling responsibilities? Well, the first thing I can tell you is that I've, I've had 30 different companies. I do not run 30 companies and not all of these were successful. So let's just set the, the, the framework and the groundwork so people don't think, wow, this is like a, a magical thing. How does anybody do this? This is not like a Donald Trump type of thing. I mean, the guy or a Richard Branson that has 50 companies that they run because they have people. I've got companies that I've run. Some of them have done really well and some of them have totally crashed and burned. And, and then the ones that I have running now are really built, the brand was built. And so people are coming to them. Once the brand's built and people come in and there's that constant drip, then I'll move on to something. So I focus on one business right now. And I think that's a huge key for people. You really want to focus on one until it, it's, it's generating and, and driving revenue into you. You don't start five at once. That's crazy. And you, it'll never work. Yeah. And let's uh, back up a little bit. You mentioned the drip. I believe you're talking about drip marketing, but could you do a deeper dive on that and, and your strategy for developing a drip and once that's successful, moving on? Yeah, the idea is that you want to create the, the mind space with people so that when they think of whatever it is you are, your promise, your brand, because your, your brand is your promise. And once you have a promise to somebody, and it, like one of my companies is Precious Metals, I sell gold and silver. And so my customers that have done business with me they wouldn't think of going somewhere else. They wouldn't go, hey, somebody else has a slightly cheaper price or, or anything like that. When they think of metals, they think of me and they call me. So I'm dripping on them. And it is partly a function of staying in front of them with the drip marketing, whether it's emails or in my case, I'll call them on, a, on at least an annual basis to say, hey, that way when the metals come up in their mind, there's one person that they think of. And so they're constantly reaching out or referring people to me and I don't have to sit there and spend tons of money on marketing. It's just this ongoing, hey, I just was thinking about you. And when you're thinking about this type of thing, you know who to call. So keeping in front of people all the time, and very few people do this. They go out, they get a customer, they do the transaction, and then they just they don't have a relationship. And relationships are one of the six key values that I run everything I do with. And that's a critical piece in today's marketplace because everybody's trying to go and kill things real quick as hunters versus gatherers and gardeners. Yeah. Now, that's an interesting topic with the hunter versus gatherer, and we might have some time to explore that, that later. Another thing that stood out in your bio is that you're into martial arts, and you actually have your own martial art, Yokido. Are there any principles about martial arts that you apply outside of the dojo, and what prompted you to create your own martial art? It's a great question, and there's absolutely a correlation, a parallel. The idea behind martial arts is that you're, you're developing this deep presence and it's, it's a lifetime focus on mastery. And those two things are absolutely essential in life and in business. If you're not present, you're going to get run over. If in the dojo, you're going to end up with a foot in your face and you're going to end up on the ground. And in business, it's the same thing. If you're not present, you're going to get run over by something. And, and this idea of mastery is, is something different than most of us think about when we think about our success focus, our goals. We go after this thing, we accomplish it. And that's really different than mastery. One of my favorite books, in fact, is, is the book Mastery by George Leonard. And it applies to everything where we're constantly going deeper and we're finding a deeper level of connection and understanding and, and depth to whatever it is we're studying and who we are. And so in martial arts, you may think, okay, I want to become a black belt. But really, the idea behind martial arts is to go deep into mastery. And in business, the people that are billionaires, the people that have the biggest impact are the ones that sought mastery. And they were never willing to quit. They were never willing to plateau. Grant Cardone talks about this all the time. If you, if you have a success, great. Have a moment and then keep running. Keep pushing harder. Keep going bigger because it's all about the impact. 
it's all about expansion because if we're not doing that, we're just dying anyway. So what's the point? I mean, that is what life is all about. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, talking about being focused and, and getting run over, you know, I, I work out at a gym where people will spar either for boxing or martial arts. And I couldn't imagine, you know, using your analogy of, of martial arts and business being present, like checking out, you know, mentally when you're in the ring, <laughs> because you are going to get that foot to your face. In business, it's a matter of being present because there are so many, I guess, internal factors, whether it's your own psychology, your own health, uh, and then external factors like the marketplace or changing legislations that if you're not paying attention, then your business can get run to the ground or your business can be irrelevant, you know, staying on top of the latest trends or you'll be left behind. So I'm 100% on board with you about being fully present and also the idea of mastery. And I think about the whole 10,000 hours approach of mastery and and really excelling at something that you're good at or that you want to be good at. With mastery comes, I believe, discipline. And with discipline comes focus. How do you personally block out the noise and stay in tune to the task at hand? I think you just, you nailed something right there in the question, the blocking out the noise. It comes really from two things. It's time blocking. So I really take to heart Gary Keller's book, The One Thing, where I think about my day in advance, my week in advance, and my life is scheduled. If things don't exist on my calendar, they really don't get a B in my life. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, 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 it's hardcore. And people go, yeah, but that seems like there's no freedom. And actually, that's what creates the freedom because there are so many things vying for our attention. If we're willing to say, this is what I'm going to be in on, it's going to be my relationship, it's going to be my business, it's going to be this thing for this chunk of time. It's amazing what we can accomplish and it opens up so much space. But if we don't have that, we just have this, this FOMO happening, this fear of missing out because of all these bright, shiny objects that are trying to get our attention all the time, and we never really make any progress. And that's, that's part of the presence piece, too. It's, it's being present with whatever you're focused on. And, and so for me, it's not, I mean, our discipline muscle ends up getting worn out. We just get exhausted. And yeah. if, we're, if, if something's on our calendar and we know that that's what we're doing, then it's less likely that we're going to just deviate because we get, if we're staring at what we're, it's like it's calling us, it's, it's pulling on us. Yeah. And we need that because there's just so, there's too much stuff going on. The noise is, is trying to dominate us. Everybody's trying to get our attention. And the other thing in terms of blocking out noise, I mean, people know this that are around me. I, everything is off. It's almost impossible to get a call to come through to me when I'm time blocked because there is no noise. There's no phone ringing. There's no bling, ding, tweet, uh, Facebook like. There's none of that <laughs> stuff going on on purpose yeah. because I'm focused. And then I get back to people on my schedule, not just to allowing them to interrupt me at any old time because it's really distracting. And I think that that's the case for pretty much everybody. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. I had to turn off all the notifications on my phone because I know myself. I've got like that ADD where, oh, there's something shiny. I've got to go check it. So I had to do that not only to preserve my mental health and sanity, but to eliminate the hurdles that get in the way of, of, of focusing. That's it. That's exactly right. Yeah, man. And on the, on the path of mastery, I mean, you've been a lifelong entrepreneur, and that's not common these days. You mentioned that you hired your parents for logistic support. Were they always supportive of your entrepreneurial spirit? And how did they foster your entrepreneurial spirit? And what can you share with parents that are listening to the podcast that might have a child that, that's entrepreneurial and want to grow? Joey, this is a weird thing because I think a lot of, a lot of times parents 
promote the opposite of what got them to where they are. So they become they, they become really successful by struggling, and they don't want to have their kids struggle. So they push security and safety, and and then their kids end up in a box, and they think that's great. I'm an entrepreneur. My kids are now going to be a doctor or a lawyer, and they, part of that is that they want them to be safe. And there's a natural thing about being a parent for that. My parents were no different. My dad was actually an entrepreneur, and and yet he pushed so hard to keep me safe and the security of going to college, which I dropped out of four times. Yeah. He kept pushing on it. And even after I had, I had done really well in real estate, become a multimillionaire, had over 100 houses, he was still asking me when I was going to go back to college and get a job with the government so I'd have a, a pension. And I looked at him and I said, Dad, I've created a pension 10 times over. What are you talking about? And in his mind, he couldn't get away from the fact that the government was secure. And for me, it just even though I know my parents loved me, it was, they were focused on security. And it is a, in today's economy and, and the world we live in, if you're focusing on safety and security, it's literally like standing still on, on the train tracks. You're going to get run over by everybody else that's hustling. Yep. So you've got to be careful. I, I would encourage parents out there to really open space and encourage their kids with their crazy ventures, like my Nintendo game business or whatever I was doing when I was 11 years old <laughs> and, and support that. Because if you focus on security, you focus on safety, you're going to have a very scared child that's going to go out into the world and they're going to be playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And that's how you end up losing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's, it's a weird irony when you play not to lose, you actually end up losing because you're too conservative in your approach to life. And I think there's a healthy balance of of risk, risk taking that every child should continue to foster. I mean, when we're kids, you know, we're jumping off swing sets, we're, you know, touching things that are too hot, but it's all out of a, a, a matter of curiosity. And sometimes it's important to protect our kids from things that are truly dangerous. But the dangerous side of missing out on opportunities is something that is entirely underrepresented. And so we need to really encourage our kids to keep that creative muscle, think of opportunities to create and be entrepreneurs and to develop, develop their own income. And, and that's, that's exactly how we end up growing too, is by going out there, being curious, like you said, and then making mistakes. And, and yep. there's, so, there's so much focus in schools on the getting an A. If you get less than, than 70%, you get, so you only miss three out of 10, you're literally a failing student. You're a D student. You're at the bottom of the barrel. And people, they look down at you and they judge you. And in the real world, if you're making, if you're getting three out of 10 things right, you're, you're probably a multimillionaire. I mean, the, yeah. the funny part about all this stuff is we're teaching people things to keep them stuck in a factory mindset instead of opening them up to going and learning by trying things. And we think somewhere in our brain, our amygdala, we think if we make a mistake, a Tyrannosaurus Rex is going to come out of the woods and eat us. Like we've got programming from 10,000 years ago. And it's crazy because yeah. that's not how it works. But we've, we just go through life thinking like that and then instilling that kind of garbage in our kids' brains. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I'm a, a huge sports fan. And I, if you look in the Hall of Fame of any sport that has statistical averages as a marker of success, you know, home run or not home runs, but batting averages. If you're hitting three out of 10, odds are you're on pace to be an all-star. In basketball, if you're shooting three-pointers at three out of 10, odds are you may not be an all-star, but you're doing pretty good for yourself. So that, to me, says a few things. One, you're going to make more mistakes than, than successes in life. But two, you know, just keep going. Keep going. You know, get better at your skills. Get better at your craft. Realize that 
perfection is the enemy of the good. And, you know, yeah, just, just get better at what you're doing. That's exactly, that's exactly it. Every one of those people that you're talking about, whether it's in basketball, I was thinking about Michael Jordan or Stephen Curry or any of these guys, or the, the people that are out there, they're, they're hitting three out of 10 swings. They're making multiple millions a year and they're failing 70% of the time. They're not making 70% <laughs> of, of the hits or the, or the shots. They're literally failing 70% of the time. So why aren't we doing that? Yep. I agree. I agree. And for those of you tuning in to this awesome discussion, this is Damian Lupo, founder and CEO of Total Control Finance. I think now's a good time for us to pivot for a listener question. And this comes from Paul. Paul says, in the startup community, there's a lot of emphasis on the kickoff team. A lot of folks decide to hire the smartest people in the room who actually turn out to be the worst people to work with from a team chemistry standpoint. What are your thoughts on this with regard to the diversity of different businesses that you've been exposed to and whether or not, or, or what's the importance of the initial team as it relates to the long-term success of a, a business or a company? It's a great question. And I, I can tell you from about a year ago when I, when I launched Total Control Financial, there, were, there was an initial group of, of people that I liked. They were my friends. They were smart. I mean, really smart people. And what was fascinating was in this case, even though the, the most important thing is to have your mission and your, and your vision and your values to start with, to figure out who's going to be on the team. I had those this time. I, I wasn't really deeply diving into the people. They were super smart. They were great at what they did. But I didn't ask the question, is this person really transparent? Are they really candid? Are they really 10x focused? Are they growth minded? Are they all about relationships? And are they self-responsible? Those are my six. And because I didn't do that, a year later, about a third of the team is no longer a part of the team, even some very, very key people like C-level people. And so it's the, the question to ask is, what are the values that are going to drive everything? Really, who are you? And you want to be in alignment. You want people to be in alignment with those values, because if they are, they'll make decisions that make sense to your core. If they're not, they're going to make decisions and they're going to cause conflict that you're going to constantly be rubbing on. And it's going to create so much tension that you may blow up the business before it ever gets started. I think that's the thing you have to start with. I realized even though I had those in place because I wasn't really comparing people to those or gauging them. Yeah. And it's a little bit of judgment. You got to judge people. Are they, are they in alignment with these things? If you do that, you're about a thousand times further down the road in building a culture and building an alignment for the, the hard times, which startups are. It's not just unicorns and puppy dogs and lollipops. Like it is tough. And, and really having that alignment yeah. will get you through those hard times because everybody is coming from the same place energetically. Yeah. Damien, great response there. And I like what you said about evaluating against your beliefs and values. It got me to thinking, you know, as an, as an HR consultant, I, I work with startup founders and sometimes there is a, well, an underlying, an underlying reason why there's so much micromanaging with some of the clients I work with is because there is a fear that the people they have on their team do not reflect their vision and values. And so that's where you have to say, as a business owner, there are a lot of smart people in the world. So why not find smart people that also reflect my values? Because to your point, Damien, then those people will make decisions that echo your heart for your business and your vision for where you want it to go. Man, I can tell you, I have a great example that you just, that just you, you're talking about. It reminds me of one of the particular people that I brought on who looked great on paper. And this was about six months into the, the company's launch. 
and it was for social media. And I thought, great, recruited this, this kid basically in her twenties out of California and she came out and started working. Yeah. And what I realized is even though she had a great video and she had a great resume and she, she talked a big game, she had zero self-responsibility and she had zero 10 X thinking. And I went, whoa, how is she going to go dominate social media with negative 10x or one-tenth thinking? I mean, it was terrible, and there was no <laughs> self-responsibility, and she wasn't transparent. I mean, she literally violated all the values, and I thought, how did she get through our filter? Like, I, I totally, I blew this. I did yeah. not judge this. I didn't have a criteria, some type of net to, to let her pass through. She got stuck in the net, stuck in the business, and it took five weeks for me to say, ah, she's got to go. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, man, five weeks is better than five years. <laughs> Pull, pulling the trigger on that. <laughs> it's funny when you know somebody is wrong for your culture, you're already too late. If you're thinking something's yeah. up, do I want to do something? Yeah, the answer is about a month ago or a year ago. So as soon as you have that gnaw, you got to go. You got to pull the trigger. You got you to get some support. You get it done. Do not sit there. It's a, it's a cancer. We talk about that all the time. The cancers are the people and the yep. numbers. And if you don't address those things, you're dead. Let's pivot now and go and talk about the financial cancers. You're known to be able to spot these things. So could you tell us what are examples of financial cancers and what are some of the entrapments that actually make us develop this type of sickness? Usually the cancers are based on our habits, our behaviors, and our fears. And so there's the two things I mentioned, the people and the numbers. And you can quickly tell if you just look as an outside observer, you're not emotionally involved in somebody's life. You just look in, and this is what happens when I go into somebody's business or do some type of coaching or mentoring work. I'll look at the people that are around them and I'll look at their spending habits and people will, it's unbelievable. They, people will protect their, their money secrets and they'll protect their sexual secrets. It's, it's about the same thing. Cause it's, it's like this, this dark secret that we want, the, the shadows of our life. We don't want people to know about this stuff. And if you want to know about the cancers, what's really eating at you, figure out who's influencing you. And, and the other thing is look at, look at the checkbook, look at the, the credit cards. In businesses, it's really obvious what's happening with a business and why they're in a, in a bad state. When I, when I look at somebody's stuff, they say, I want to learn how to invest or I want my business to grow. I want it to double. I go, great. Let's see where you are. And we look at their books and I go, do you know where you are? And they go, yeah, we're not doing good. And I say, what does that mean? And they go, we have no idea because they're unconsciously spending. They're unconsciously deciding things. And it's literally an emergency all the time. That's how they're operating. Most people are operating to some degree yeah. in their life based on an emergency all the time instead of having a plan and having some type of reporting system where they can see what they're doing and they can acknowledge, hey, do I want this? Is this in alignment with who I am? Or do I want to cut these things out? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I spending $2,000 a month on going out to eat? Is that really in alignment with who I am? Or, I mean, I spent $2,400 one year on Starbucks and it was only because I monitored it every day. At the end of the year, I thought, you got to be kidding me. I could have gone to Europe this year. And instead I went to Starbucks. Yeah. It was an insane habit that I was totally unconscious of until I monitored it. And it was, and I had an accountability partner and he and I looked at my stuff and he, he looked at me and just kind of stared at me. And I went, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. This is, this is crazy. And I'm aware of it now. So now I can fix it. Yeah. I think it's important to be fully aware of your finances and track every dollar because that allows you to repurpose those dollars later once you realize where your blind spots are. For example, like the $2,400 that you spend on coffee, I was reading one article that helped me frame it like this, where they said, you know, instead of looking at it as, oh, it's only, I guess, what's that, about $200 a month on, on coffee or something, mm -hmm. think of that as like, 
taking years away from value in a retirement plan or years away from some interest-bearing account or that vacation to Europe that you mentioned. And then when you look at the cup of coffee next, you're conditioned to say, you know, is this worth my trip to Europe or is this worth not having more savings in my interest-bearing accounts? So it really, you know, helps you look at things a little bit differently. And, and let me flip that to you because there's some people, and we've heard this before, where people say you can't save your way to wealth. And I agree with that. And you're not going to, yeah. if, if you save $2, $3, $5 a day, is that really going to make you, you know, is that going to make you rich? No. But, and so here's another way of looking at this. I, I was spending 200 bucks a month. So there one question or one way to look at this is to say, I'm going to go the Dave Ramsey approach. And I'm going to say, I'm not going to spend any money on coffee. The other approach, and this is more 10x thinking, is to say, mm-hmm. instead of 200 bucks a month, I'm going to spend 400 bucks a month on coffee. And every time I go out there or 90% of those times, I'm going to make sure I'm meeting with somebody and buying them coffee. That means I'm going to have 20 or 30 new interactions, relationships being built every month instead of me just going through this unconscious pattern of sucking down this caffeine. So we can really flip it. Instead of going into scarcity, we go into abundance and we go into the hustle mindset. Yeah, I really like that because when you're you're doing that, you're in you're still enjoying your cup of coffee, but you're maximizing the return on it that you have. So that's really big. That's really big. That 10x thinking there. We've got another listener question that is sort of a segue for this because we talked about corporate finances and how much to reinvest versus how much to to keep for yourself. But This one comes from Michael and he says, for the small business owner, obviously you want to reinvest as much revenue as possible back into the business. And you can clarify if if that's right or or not from your perspective. He says, but people have to eat too. Is there a formula or rule of thumb for reinvesting revenue into your business or deciding how and when to begin drawing a salary from your business? Yeah, I mean, I, I have the, the same mindset that Grant Cardone does on this. And that's that literally stay broke until you're rich. And in, if you make an extra 5000 or $10,000 a month or whatever it is, it's not time to go out there and spend all this money on your new lifestyle. Forget the lifestyle. You've got to go out there and actually create wealth. I mean, truly, millionaire is the new middle class. And if you think, okay, I need to go and I need to have more money. No, you don't. Why? Because you want to go eat out. No, you know what? You really need rice and beans. That'll sustain you. And, and it may sound harsh, but the question is, are you doing this just to have something to do or are you trying to create wealth? Are you trying to create something so you have options down the road or do you just want to blend in with everybody else right now, spending money and looking like you're wealthy and really you're stressed out, poor, broke, and miserable? I mean, you really have to decide, are you going to pay the price now so you can pay any price down the road or are you just going to, are you going to sit there and pretend you're, you're a millionaire? And I think a lot of people get so uncomfortable yeah. with paying that price. And a lot of that has to do with it's the people again. If, if we've got people that are around us, that are living it up and they're all in debt. I mean, that's really truly what most people are living with. They're living it with a ton of debt. Yeah. If we're around those people and, and we feel like we, we need to keep up with them because we want to connect, it's a tribal thing. I mean, that's what human beings want. We want to be part of people, communities. If we feel like that and we're with the wrong people, we're going to stay broke just like they are, even though they're pretending they're not. So then it, the question is, could you find some other people that are more supportive of your lifestyle that want to hang out with you that don't need you to be spending money you don't have on stuff you don't really want? Yeah. No, that's real. And we shared the statistics earlier about 70% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. So for all intents and purposes, that's seven out of your 10 best friends that all come to the, to the bar and give you financial advice. You know, they're living paycheck to paycheck, seven of those 10 guys. So it's important to, um, I guess this brings up a, a concept that I hold close is really pruning your friendships 
and pruning the people that are closest to you and that have access to or that, that have your ear and that can influence you to make decisions. Because to your point, I want people that will say, hey, you know what, maybe you shouldn't lease that car or maybe it makes more sense to wait and, and get a used car and own it and, you know, less total cost of ownership or something along those lines that helps me with wealth management and wealth retention. And I also say, you know, we, we talk about box scores quite often. And I'd love to see us as a country, or at least within my, my circle of friends, be able to talk our financial strategy as well as we can recite, you know, Kevin Durant's, you know, stat line from last night's game. You know, just really having a, a mastery of our finances. Yeah, it's embarrassing to, to hear people, what, what people talk about at just over over coffee, over drinks, over whatever it is, and hearing it's the nonsense that we aren't going to remember a year ago, probably not a week from now. We won't remember those conversations because we're, we're not willing to get real, to be vulnerable, to be exposed. Yeah. Because quite honestly, we're not very proud of, of a lot of things in our life. We're not proud of the, the decisions we're making. And I have a hardcore way to look at pruning. I call it evisceration. And it scares people. <laughs> and I've, I, it's funny. I've had, well, I mean, I, I look at this, it's a little funny now. I've had people eviscerate me where they didn't want to be close to me. They, they literally, because I think a lot of times I end up calling people out on, the, on whatever is real. And people go, that's very judgmental. It's, it's a, you know, it, that's your, you're projecting. And I don't care. I'm going to be as honest as I can be. And, and oftentimes it'll push people away. And at the same time, I'm willing to do that with people that are out of alignment with, with what I'm trying to accomplish because I have to live with me the rest of my life, just like you have to live with you. Right. And we are going to become these other people. So I'm not going to just nip and tuck. I'm going to evis- eviscerate. I'm going to cut these things out like they're a cancer because either, they're, either people are supporting our goals or they're tearing us down. I mean, it's one or the other. There's no neutral in this stuff. You got to really remember that and decide, yep. what are they doing? Are they, is it up or down? It's going one of the directions. Yeah. And, and before we lose this thought here, I wanted to follow up with a question about the reinvesting into your business. What are some smart ways to reinvest money, whether it's from your tax return this year or from some of the income you get from clients and services? What are some smart moves to put money back into your, your business so that you can have a 10x return? The one thing that people do, that, and they, they mess up whenever economies contract, they, they stop spending money on marketing, they stop spending money on training. That, that should tell you something. Those are the two places that you should be doing the investing. So when, when you've got money coming in, you want to get better. You want your team to get better. You need to in, invest in them. Great quote that I heard one time from somebody was, was about the, the concern that, hey, what if I invest in my so-and-so and they leave? And the response was, what if you don't invest in them and they stay? And this is the same thing with you. If you're going to be in that business, you want to be world freaking class. So you need to constantly reinvest yep. in yourself. And to me, that means you go out and you find the edgiest stuff that's out there, the people that are hyper crazy, that are going to push your thinking into a different space, not just the incremental growth. You're going to get blown over if you're thinking incrementally. You've got to go bigger thinking. So it's constantly investing in your own personal development. People ask all the time, what do I invest in? Do I invest in real estate or stocks or whatever? And I say, invest in you because the return that you're going to get on the investment in you and your own psychology and your emotional health is going to give you 10x returns unlike anything you can ever possibly find. I guarantee it. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that is true forever for everybody. Yeah, man. I 100% agree. And when I'm with clients and they're wondering about increasing the budget for training and development, I'll say, you know, you have the latest smartphone in your pocket. You have 
the best laptop on your desk and your team has the best computer software, but they're operating from mindsets that are five years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, however long they've been a part of the company. And so if we can evolve our technology, why not evolve our people and evolve the thinking? That is a huge, huge, huge pet peeve of mine when people are resistant to training because you've got to think about the innovators that are coming into your space and they're competing at a level and mindset that you're not even embracing at this point. So it's only a matter of time before your company becomes irrelevant. So there is a huge, huge need. I, I agree with you 100% to invest in training and, and yourself. I, I got to follow up with something that you just said that just blew my mind. I'm taking notes here from, from that. It's, it's the operating from the mindset from five years ago. I've never thought about that. And I, I love it, man. I'm going to talk about that all the time with my team now yeah, man. because that's what happens. We get stuck in that stuff. And, and there's, there's something that, that I think could be a really great tool for people. And that's to think of things with, with a blank slate mentality. And this came up because I moved a lot. Yeah. I kept moving every year. I'm hauling all my crap from one place to the next. And one day I, I was in a blank house and I go, wait a second, do I want to just pile all this stuff in here? Or do I want to really think about what I want to put in here and decide if anything I currently have is part of that vision? And I ended up deciding what I wanted and I gave away about three quarters of my stuff after I'd already moved it, after I'd already paid the movers. I mean, all this stuff. And it made me think, wait a second, this is a really practical tool and idea for business. If we're thinking about what we're going to do this coming year with our lives, why are we thinking about it in terms of last year and asking how we can incrementally grow or do you, you know, we're planning instead, let's say, okay, last year we did a hundred grand. What if, how are we going to do a million dollars this year? And what happens is that by <laughs> adding a zero to things, it forces you to leave all the stuff behind from the past. And it forces you to ask what technologies, what people do I need to bring in? What do I need to create with this blank slate? Because if I use the legacy thinking and the legacy stuff that people it's very likely that I'm going to have similar results and you can't get to 10 X if you're using the same stuff with the same thinking. So the blank slate is exactly in line with your, the OS of your mind from five years ago. I love that, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man. It's time for an upgrade. We, uh, I should get that on the shirt. Upgrade your, upgrade nice. your mental <laughs> OS, something like that. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll send one in the love mail it. to you and you can rock it around the office. <laughs> Let's, um, I know we're going to land this plane soon. Let's go back to the concept of wealth and poverty. In your books, you mentioned, and by the way, quick plug for your books. You have three out right now. One is called The Reinvented Life, How Two Friends Moved from Conflict and Pain to Consciousness and Purpose. The other is called Total Control Financial Guide to the QRP, and QRP stands for Qualified Retirement Plan. And then the final one, which is most interesting to me because it's an area where I've got the least amount of experience, is the quick and dirty guide to gold and silver, the top 21 most asked questions answered in 30 minutes. We'll provide links to these in the show notes, and we'll also do some promo on uh, social media about them. But let's go to the red and green arrows of wealth and poverty. What does this mean and how does this apply to our, our daily life as entrepreneurs and, and side hustlers? The green arrows, the red arrows of, of wealth and poverty, this has to do with, with the news and our thinking and really the Wall Street roller coaster. And if, if you can imagine the last time you, you were watching the news, if, if people still watch the evening news or you watch some type of news cycle and there's a, there's a market report 
and the market comes up. This, this happened. This all came to be because one of my clients said, we are having this experience every day. We're, we're watching the news and they say today, the Dow Jones did this. It was up 114 points and there's this green arrow and they felt a little wealthier. And they went, oh, good, wealth effect. Except what if it's a red arrow tomorrow? Or if it is a red arrow, they go, oh, we're, we're like, we're poorer. Our wealth just dropped. And they start to, they start to contract. Yeah. And they're, literally their bodies would contract and they said, we are going through this green arrow, red arrow, hell. It's a Wall Street roller coaster. We want off of this thing. And I realized that these arrows are dictating our emotional state of wealth and poverty. And we're stuck on this roller coaster because we have no control. And when these, these folks said, this is what we're dealing with, I said, what do you want to do? And they said, we want off this thing. We don't want to care what the arrows in, do each day. And I said, okay. So we worked for about six months on their stuff. And one day the markets crashed, the, the stock markets crashed. And I, I, was, I was over uh, in Europe and I said, hey, what, so how, how's it going? Did you notice that the, the market crashed? And they said, no, we didn't notice. And I said, you didn't notice? They said, we don't even care. We're out of it. We're off the roller coaster. And I went, <laughs> arrows don't make any difference to you anymore, do they? And they said, nope, we love it. It was great. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's see here. Another one that I really want to hit before we land this plane is... so. If you could talk about some of the vehicles that you recommend for personal wealth accumulation and some of the ideas that people can start as far as launching their own companies and, and generating wealth. I know real estate investment is, is one that can be very intimidating for people without experience, but what are some ways that people can get started? It could be in real estate investment or some of the other vehicles that you recommend. And what are, your, what are the, the first best steps that people can take? in any other vehicles you mentioned? Well, the, the one vehicle that I spent a lot of time with, it's, it's, the, it's the vehicle that Total Control Financial was based on is the EQRP. And what, what this is, it's, it's an empowered qualified retirement plan. Now, this really applies to anybody that either has money in a 401k or they want to start a business. If you want to start a business, one of the problems is you're going to need some cash. And if you don't have cash, then you got to figure out where you're going to get it. So you can use a bank, which I happen to not like so much. Banks are not really great. Mm-hmm. They, they tend to make sure that they always win just like Wall Street. Yep. And you know, whether you win or not is irrelevant to them. They just want to make sure they get paid. And so my thinking is you got to find an alternative. And here's the alternative. There are trillions, something like $6 trillion sitting in 401ks waiting for, to be tapped. And right now it's stuck. It's, it's literally in Wall Street jail. And if you realize that there's a way for you to start tapping into that money. So as an example, let's say I have a 401k and I convert it into an EQRP all of a sudden, all my retirement money is still tax deferred and it's sitting in my checkbook. And you come to me and you say, hey, I've got my business. I'm going to start up. Would you be interested in loaning me some money or investing in it? I can actually invest in your business from my 401k. I don't have to be stuck in the whatever stock market. I can invest in my neighbor, my friend, somebody that I actually can, can have a conversation with. And I have some more control over, over what my money is doing. And so it, it works for me. It works for you. And so it doesn't really matter whether you're an investor or whether you're doing a business. You got to know about these tools that are trapping and holding all of this, all these resources. It's not just the bank. The banks have some money, but they have all these rules they've got to deal with. And they really don't care whether you have a great idea if it's, if it's not super conservative. So the EQRP gives you options. It gives you options as an investor. It gives you options to tap into if you're just, if you're a business owner or if you want to go invest and you don't have any money, maybe you can have a partner that has their money, their retirement money. People have hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars sitting idle, and they don't even think that it's real money because they're not age 60. They go, well, 
my financial advisor, which by the way, is a salesperson selling you things that they're going to make fees off of. That person is, is just keeping their money trapped. Once you take control of it, the whole world of investment opportunities opens up to you. So you got to know about these things, the EQRP and get a copy of my book on this. There's, you can get a free copy on the website on totalcontrolfinancial.com. Get a copy of it and learn about this thing because it'll change your life and it'll give you options you didn't even know you had. Awesome. And if there's anyone for us to pay attention to their financial advice, it's someone who's been successful with most of the 30 companies that they, that they run and that's got a great spirit like you do, Damien. I really appreciate you being on the show today and we're going to have to have you back. I'm going to send you that, that t-shirt about upgrading your mental OS. And are there any parting thoughts that, that you want to share with our audience today? Yeah, the, the, the thing that you just mentioned, which was perfect timing, it was that not all the companies <laughs> were successful. And the truth is we learn far more from these mistakes and the flops than we will ever learn from the successes. Success is a terrible teacher. Stakes is where it's at. And if you're afraid that you're going to make mistakes and therefore you stay idle, you're missing out on the game of life. It's really about going out there and growing. And remember, there's no brontosaurus, tyrannosaurus, or saber-toothed tiger waiting to eat you. It's just money, and we get to make it up anyway. And the universe gives us mistakes that are wrapped up in the pain as a way for us to grow and become better, wiser, and bigger human beings. And that's what it's all about. Awesome. Awesome. Again, everyone, this has been Damien Lupo, founder and CEO of Total Control Financial. Damien, what are your uh, social handles for people so they can follow you after this show? Damien Lupo on Twitter and Damien Lupo Official on Facebook. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining our show and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joey. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLC Moments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.businesslifeandcoffee.com. And our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show.